Hey there. Welcome to the NAA Apartment Cast, the official podcast of the National Apartment Association, the voice of the rental housing industry. I'm your host, Frank Mock, broadcasting from NAA's headquarters just outside our nation's capital, where we'll be providing you with ongoing insight from rental housing industry leaders on all things apartments, from leadership to operational strategy to federal advocacy and more. Today's episode is the second in an ongoing series supported by NAA's Next Gen Committee, highlighting apartment career journeys and career advice. I'm joined by Brett Frank, a multi-site community director for CenterSpace in Denver, Colorado. He is a member of both the 2023 NAA Budget and Finance Committee and the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee, as well as a 2024 member of the NAA Technology Committee. But that's enough for me. Let's jump right in. Hi, Brett. Thanks for uh, joining us. Um, wanted to uh, just jump right in. Can we start by having you tell us uh, who you are and, and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me here. My name is Brett Frank. I am a multi-site community director with CenterSpace uh, based out of Denver, Colorado. Can you uh, tell us a little bit uh, about CenterSpace's portfolio? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're a publicly traded uh, REIT with about 13,000 units, um, primarily operate Class A assets uh, in six states across the Midwest. Perfect. Um, so I think the beginning is a good place to start. Um, a lot of professionals in the industry uh, say that they sort of fell into it. How did you find yourself uh, working in the rental housing industry? Yeah, absolutely. It's it, like you said, it's a common story. People just kind of fall into this industry. Um, for myself, actually, I was uh, coming out of the military, uh, being medically retired and was looking for jobs to kind of get me through college and just took a job as an assistant community manager um, with the intent of just kind of working it until I graduate college to go on and work in finance. And after I kind of got into the industry, it just it pushed all the buttons that I was looking for and, and I just fell in love with it. That's a great story. Uh, thank you for your service, of course. Um, what what would you say, um, you know, what comes to mind when, when you think about some of the challenges uh, that you faced when you first started? Yeah, absolutely. So actually, it was kind of funny. My first day um, with CenterSpace, uh, after I finished onboarding with my manager, um, I started doing some of my online training. And by about one o'clock on my first day, uh, the announcement was made that we're closing the offices because of COVID. Um, so one of my challenges was learning the industry and learning, you know, everything about it, a new position and a, a new career, um, you know, from from my home and trying to figure out, you know, how do we how do we navigate COVID? but Also, how do I navigate this new company, new position? Um, so just trying to learn how to answer, you know, questions from residents when there was nobody you could, you know, you could just pop out of your office and ask a question. So um, I would say that was the biggest challenge right away was just learning a new industry by yourself. Yeah, kind of. Right, right. I can't imagine. Uh, I mean, we all, I think, have the shared experience thinking right. back to the pandemic and the beginning of the lockdown. But um, certainly, you know, timing, um, I guess, sounds like could it be better for, you know, if you really want to learn on the fly? Primarily, you know, I think I, I think it was a great way to learn because it it really forced me to go out and find those answers, you know, by looking up whether it be 
best practices that our company had in place or kind of really digging into the policies and procedures. Um, and I think it really helped me learn very quickly. So I, I take it as a blessing, really. That I think that's a great, absolutely great attitude to, to think about it. And certainly, you know, when it comes to what is essentially, yeah, you know, we, we deal in buildings, but it, it is a people uh, business. And uh, certainly when you're restricted from being around other people it does make it a, a little bit uh, more challenging, um, especially trying to communicate through FaceTime with residents and, you know, walking them through some stuff and not, you know, there's all kinds of potential barriers there um, in, in communicating and, and in efficacy. Um, in, in Along that lines, like, um, what do you wish you knew when you first started? Yeah, I think I think I really wish I understood how big this industry really was. You know, when I first got into it, it just, it didn't seem like it was as big as it is. And then after being in it for a little bit, starting to realize how interconnected everything really is um, and how big it is, but also how small the industry really is too at the same time. Um, at what point then did you know that you wanted to make apartments your, your career path? Yeah, it was pretty early on, actually. It was um, once we returned back into the office and started, uh, you know, working with residents in person again. Um, I had a an elderly couple that I was working with that was moving off of their farmstead that they have lived on for 40 years. Um, so helping them navigate the search for their new home. Um, you know, we did countless tours going back and forth at different units. And when they finally selected the unit that they were going to move into, um, you know, they just both broke down in tears in my office and at, at, at how happy they were and how big of a relief off their shoulders it was to finally have something, um, you know, because moving off of your, your farmstead after 40 years is a big change. And there's a lot of emotions with that. So having that interaction really solidified it for me that this this is something I want to do because you still get to do the business aspect of things, but you get to work with people on a personal level and you can, you know, make an impact on somebody's life. That's such a key point. And I think it's, you know, something that we encounter often in the industry and talking to professionals. I mean, you really got to care about other people. And sometimes I think that policymakers and the media may not have that perception or, or view it through that lens. But I, I know for sure in talking with so many people over the years that um, there's care and concern for the residents. That's really, I think you're not the first person that's had a story like that. And certainly, you know, the things that get you out of bed and motivate you to do a good job during the day. I, I mean, if people isn't on that list, I, I don't know how successful you'll be um, in the industry. Absolutely. So in, in like to address some common myths. Um, so what is a common myth about the job you do and what is what is the reality? Yeah, you know, I think I think a common myth for for landlords like us um, is we're just we're just here to collect a rent check. Um, and that's that's certainly not the reality at all. I mean, the, the reality is we're we're here to make an impact on people's lives. We're here to provide them great homes. Um, your home is the center point of your life. So um, I think a common misconception is that we we just we're here to collect rent checks and we don't care about the people. And, and it's quite the opposite. We really do care about the residents and, and the customers we serve. And we really want to do the best we can to make their their home as comfortable as possible. If, if that means finding a better way to handle their packages, um, you know, anything we can do to just make their life a little bit easier um, is is really what we're here to do. 
And sort of a follow-up to that, um, what do you wish everybody understood about your job? Yeah, I, I think the thing I wish people understood is, is um, you know, we we do as much as we can with the with what we have. You know, sometimes things are are out of our controls. You know, mechanical systems will break, garage doors will break, and and sometimes it's it's we're at the mercy of of whether it be the supply chain or things like that. Um, I, I think that's what I wish people understood is, is we're we're doing the best we can with what we what we've got in most cases. Certainly, certainly. It's, it's that idea of like, it's not so much the problem, but how we react to the problem that matters. Absolutely. Um, we know, as you just said, I mean, the home is the centerpiece of everybody's life. And so when things happen in the home, that creates maybe a, a level of consternation that's not present in other interactions, uh, day-to-day interactions with, with the people that you work with. Um, Absolutely. Before. Yeah. Um, what's, what's one lesson your job has taught you that you think everybody should learn? I would say patience and understanding, you know, going back to some of those, some of those things I, I, I know in my own life previous before working in apartments, um, a mechanical system would break down or something on those lines. And I would get, I would just get very, very frustrated. Um, but I didn't understand a lot of the behind the scenes action. Um, So I think being in this industry has just taught me a little bit more compassion, a little bit more patience and understanding and and really just um, communication goes a long way. I think, you know, just keeping people updated and things like that with what's what's happening makes a makes a big impact. Yeah, I think as they say, patience is a virtue. Um, And I think (laughs) there's always uh, there's always a little bit more patience to be learned. Um, (laughs) What what was the what was the best advice that you received um, in your career? Yeah, I think really early on in my career, um, still in the military, the best piece of advice I've gotten that's carried with me the entire time is um, take something from every leader that you report to, but also to those that report to you, because um, everybody has a different leadership style. So you can learn a lot from different leaders um, and how they best lead and, and how you want to be as a leader, um, but also from the people that you lead, uh, you know, learning that um, it's not a blanket style approach. You know, you have to really tailor your leadership style to the individual. Um, so I think early on, that was the best piece of advice I, I got was to, to tailor your leadership style to the individual and learn from those that uh, you're reporting to as well. Um, yeah, that's an interesting point. I, I definitely agree. You know, and certainly inspiration and ideas come from everywhere, and you should always be open to you know, regardless of who the individual is, it's it's the content and the communication that that ultimately ultimately matters. I mean, I don't know if the story is apocryphal. I, I mean, I think the recipe for hot Cheetos came from the facilities person at at the corporate. Uh, so yes. Agreed. Um, you you just never know uh, where where the best ideas and where the best guidance will come from. Yeah, everybody has different experiences. We've all gone through different things in our life. We've all worked different jobs, and and everybody brings something to the table that you know I might not bring to the table because I didn't have that experience, whether it be growing up or or a previous job. You know, so it is important to just be open to feedback from from all levels. Um, more of a fun question. If you were to write a how-to guide for a career in apartments, what would the title be? I think it would be be a sponge, um, especially if, if you're just getting into this industry. You know, just soak up as much knowledge as you can um, is, is, is crucial. 
There's, there's so much that goes into our industry and there's a lot of areas you have to, there's a lot of different hats you have to wear. So taking up as much knowledge as possible would be the, would be the thing. I love that. Be a sponge. Um, and, you know, uh, gratuitous plug time. If you are listening to this conversation and you want to be a sponge for apartment information, uh, NAA's Apartmentalize is coming to Philadelphia in June, uh, the 19th through the 21st, 2024. Uh, you can find out more information on NAA's website. Um, forgive that interruption. Uh, a return to the questions. Um, what do you think is the biggest change in the industry you've seen during your career? I think just the utilization of technology. Um, I, I know in our organization, we've, we've, done a ton of work around better utilizing technology, whether it be, you know, the, the virtual tours and things that came out of COVID, but really just, um, you know, tracking work orders, things like that. I mean, it's just, it's, I've seen a big shift from when I first came into where we're at today on just how uh, our organization and other organizations I've talked to are utilizing technology to be more efficient, more responsive, and, and just have better data, really, just to know more about their business. Absolutely. And it is really interesting to be an observer of the industry over the past few years. I'm certainly, um, you know, the apartment industry has never been accused of, of being on the leading edge of technological adoption. But I, I think, again, being a person to person business um, and then being thrust into an environment in the pandemic where you really are restricted in how much interaction you can have with individuals. Um, and then the utilization and adoption of technology to solve for those problems. I, I remember virtual tours when, you know, when there were only a handful of folks doing it. And now it's like what the consumer expects. If you're not out there offering a look at your community um, to folks online, then, you know, you're probably going to be last in line as far as prospective residents go when they're looking for a new place to live. Um, and certainly, I think in the years to come, we'll see a lot more of the efficiencies you reference. that it's it's not just sufficient anymore to have the capability. You have to really be utilizing it and making sure that the resource resources you're putting into it, that you're you're achieving the dividends of what what the technology is supposed to accomplish. Um, that's a really good point. Yeah, one of going back to the technology thing, I think it's really cool to see too with this utilization of technology, we're we're able to better personalize, you know, the leasing experience to the individual. Some people don't want that. They don't want to come in and, and take a tour with a leasing agent. Some people like that self-guided option so they can just quickly see the place, get some eyes on it and make their decision. Um, you know, so that tech allows us to tailor things to the individual for what they're really looking for and what they really want. And I think that's fantastic. I couldn't agree more. I, I think absolutely personalization, customization, that is uh, where everyone is headed, not just rental housing. Um, and, and in thinking of where everybody's headed, you know, what are you most excited about in the years to come? Yeah, I'm excited for, um, you know, specifically out here in my market, out in the Colorado area, just the growth that's coming out here is really exciting, but more so as the industry as a whole, just to continue to see how we continue this, this wave of tech utilization and how we're going to continue to evolve and become more efficient and really see after we've got a couple of years of using some of these new technologies to see what was the payoff and see what, what we learned from it and, and what other areas we can improve with upcoming tech. And, you know, it's funny, I, I in asking you about 
technology and, and talking along the lines of efficiencies. And, and now I'd like to flip the script a little bit um, and ask you about strengths in the industry. What What is an important strength? And as, as a secondary question, one important soft skill um, that somebody would need to use, to have to work in the industry? Yeah, I think... I think a really, really good strength is is good communication skills, not only written communication, because we do do a ton of, you know, emailing and teams messaging, things like that. But um, just those communication skills face to face with people being able to to have um, sometimes difficult conversations about, you know, when things go wrong and being able to to speak to those um, with transparency, um, I would say is the biggest one is that that communication skill. Um, as, as far as a soft skill, I mean, there's just so many things that we, we do in this industry day to day, um, soft skills, a, a, a more difficult one to put a, a pinpoint in just because there are so many things that we do daily. Yeah. I mean, but communication is, uh, equally a soft skill in some regards. Um, and I certainly agree with what you said. I mean, I think sometimes people get, I, I don't want to say uh, afraid of confrontation, but, you know, when you have to deliver difficult news, if someone once told me, if you put it in the context of you're delivering that to help them, you know, you're that's part of what being a leader is and you want to help them grow. It's, you know, criticism is a criticism. But if you're delivering feedback um, because the goal is to help improve on and certainly in, in the, you know, with reference to the industry, I mean, at the end of the day, everything is all about resident satisfaction, resident retention. So if you're delivering some guidance to somebody, even if it's a difficult conversation, if you can remember and hold in your head that I'm doing this because I, I want to help them, not because yeah. I'm here to be some sort of disciplinarian or whatever the case may be. So I think that is somewhat of a soft skill as well. Absolutely. And I think going back to the communication, especially when we're talking about you know communicating with your resident base, just at the end of the day, they just want to know what's going on. They want to know what the status of, of something is, or even if you don't have an update, they just want to know there's no update. So, yeah, that's a good, good communication. I know you're waiting here for me. I don't yep. have anything to give you, but I'm still working on it. I it haven't is. forgotten about you is really the biggest thing. It's just right. I'm still on my radar. Right. In my own life. I mean, that definitely feels like I'm, I'm seen, I'm heard if yep. I'm expecting a response. Um, and certainly if I don't get one, that, that definitely compounds the uh, agitation I'm feeling. Absolutely. Um, so if there's, you know, one question you wish I had asked, but didn't, how would you, what would you have wanted me to ask and, and how would you have answered it? Yeah, I think, I think the one question is one of the things I'm really passionate about is is the charity work that we do as an organization at at my organization, but as an industry as a whole. Um, so I think one question would be, what are some of the favorite um, charity things that we've done here at my organization? Uh, and the way I would answer it is is you know I'm really proud of our organization for empowering our our teams to volunteer. You know, giving our teams paid time to go volunteer uh, for organizations that they're passionate about. Um, is, is fantastic. And I think a lot of companies in our space do do that. They do do a lot of good charity work. And, and one thing I'd like to see more of, you know, as an industry is, is us getting the good work we do out there, you know, more for not only our residents to see, but the legislators, for everybody to see that, you know, we are out here making an impact in the community um, in, in a lot of ways. 
I couldn't agree more. I think that's a great question. I will start asking folks about, um, you know, uh, firstly, a plug for NAA Gives. We'll be putting out a call um, to be featured at Apartmentalize, again, June 19th through the 21st in Philadelphia, um, uh, on the Gibbs wall that highlights all of the great philanthropic work that the industry, that the affiliated apartment associations, that the individuals are doing. Um, it is definitely a very charitable industry, um, and I think that that doesn't get um, the attention that it, it absolutely deserves. Um, that any gives walls one of my, I mean, seeing that one uh, this past year at Apartmentalize, just seeing, I mean, there was hundreds of pictures on that thing. And it was just really cool to see our industry making an impact on on people's lives. I mean, it was it was fantastic. I, I often think, too, in, in the context of helping others, I, I mean, in these horrible cases of, of disasters and emergencies, um, you know, whether they're weather related or whatever, whatever they might be. I mean, it's so often that apartment communities in that local community are stepping up, you know, whether it's, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's units for displaced residents of the community, um, until they get back on their feet in, in other instances, just, you know, co-drives and, and all these other charitable acts that, um, uh, philanthropic organizations are doing a lot of times they look to the apartment community to be the, the headquarters or the location where folks are going to drop things off or going to pick things up because it makes sense because people are living there and, and uh, um, at least recently working there quite a bit. Uh, Absolutely. So yeah. I, I, I thank you for bringing it up. I think it's a huge point and it certainly doesn't get as much attention um, as, as it deserves. Um, I Really appreciate the time and the conversation. Before before I let you go, I, I just wanted to offer you the floor for any last words of advice, anything that, that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get a chance to yet. Yeah, I would just say for anybody that is new to the industry, um, or even if you've been in the industry for a while and you're you're looking to get involved a little bit more, um, reach out to your, your local affiliate. Um, I mean, I... I a plug for the Apartment Association of Metro Denver here, but everybody at that organization was very welcoming of, of me. I raised my hand and said, I want to help. And, and they let me jump in and, you know, head first. Um, so if, if you want to get involved, contact your local affiliate. And, and I'm sure they would be more than willing to, to accept the help. But also, if you want to get involved in NAA, I mean, they're always taking um, volunteers for the committees and things like that. And just raise your hand and say you want to get involved and, and just jump in head first. It, you, you won't regret jumping in head first. There's a ton of great people at the National Apartment Association, but also at your local affiliate. And, and everybody's got kind of the same mindset and the same goals. So I really appreciate you bringing that one up as well. I mean, certainly uh, volunteering um, time and expertise to the apartment associations across the country. That is a, a, a huge boon to the industry, a huge help to, to everyone, whether it's, you know, education, you know, you want to learn from, from others that are doing the same things you're doing. Um, the networking, uh, there, there isn't a better way to meet like-minded individuals, folks in the same, same industry, folks dealing with the same challenges that you are. Um, and then, and then the advocacy piece, the, the defense of the industry from government interference, the, um, the working with the policymakers, helping them understand. I, I just had recently had a conversation with some of our um, federal advocates here uh, about this idea that uh, very few people in, in the policymaking world understand what the operations of apartments is like, how how it all works. Um, and if if 
industry members, if, if professionals in rental housing don't take the time to talk to their policymakers and educate them about not just how it works, but some of the unintended consequences that we can foresee based on the policies that they're talking about. Um, certainly in, in your region, um, um, rent control is a conversation that's happened uh, quite quite often over the last few years. Um, you know, if they don't understand that rent control, it does exactly the opposite of what it's intended to do. It, it leads to fewer houses, less affordability. Um, the, the association is a great place to go to to learn how to advocate, to learn the issues, to learn the importance of, of doing so. So I, I appreciate you bringing, bringing that up as well. Absolutely. Um, Brett, thank you again for your time. This has been a great conversation. Um, certainly look, looking forward to uh, staying in touch with you throughout your career journey. Um, I'm sure we'll be back with you soon. Uh, thanks again for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks again to Brett for sharing time with us today on the NAA Apartment Cast. For those of you out there who are interested in volunteering for one of NAA's many committees, please have a look at the About page on NAAHQ.org. In addition, the National Apartment Association Education Institute, that's NAAEI, can help you succeed in the rental housing industry. With online and classroom training, you can learn the newest advancements and get credentials that will help you develop your career. Invest in yourself and take necessary steps to become an industry leader. Additional information is available by visiting NAAHQ.org under the Education and Careers drop-down menu. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you on the next episode of the NAA Apartment Cast, available on all your favorite podcast platforms.